Well, what is up, Christ United? See you at home. It's so good to be with you guys this morning. Man, today, I'm so excited because I want to start off with a game. And trust me, this game will be probably a lot better than last week's game. So um, uh, several weeks ago on the social media, I put out there, man, what are some of some song lyrics that you've sang that you were wrong. And, you know, it was a couple years later, you sang it for your entire life, and then you realize what the actual lyrics to a song were, and you're like, oh, I didn't know it said that. So today we're going to play a little game. Some of you chipped in and um, chimed in on that. So we're going to play this game. I'm going to put up a song lyric, and um, based on what other people on the staff said, they said I should actually attempt to sing the lyrics. So I'm going to and there's nothing you can do about it. So we're just going to have to get through this. So I'm going to put up a wrong song lyric. And then at home, I want you to play along. I want you to try and fill in what the real song lyric is. Okay. All right. Th this is going to be fun. Here we go. Here, here's the first one. I've got shoes. They're made of plywood. And that will definitely get you trips to the hospital probably. So, um, but, but we probably know we probably know that's not the real lyric to the song, right? The, the real lyric is what John Travolta sang when he said, I've got chills, they're multiplying, all right? And any of you ever say, uh, say the first one that your shoes were made of plywood? All right, here's another one. This is good. We built this city on sausage rolls. That sounds like a delicious idea. However, that is not really what Starship sang when they sang that song. What they actually sang was this. We built this city, sing it on rock and roll. Yeah. Some of you may have sang that lyric wrong. Um, here's a, here's a, I love this one. This one's really funny. Then I saw her face. Now I'm going to leave her. But I'm sure she had a great personality. <laughs> Right. And come on, we, we know the Beatles song. This is not the lyric that they sang in that song. It was actually sing it with me. Then I saw her face. Now I'm a believer. You know it. Yeah. All right. Here's the, th this one is actually a little disturbing, but I had to leave it in. Here we go. Here's one. I've got two chickens to paralyze. Why? And stop it. All right, it's like, this is, I don't know why someone would actually sing this, even if they thought that was the lyric. Why would you continue singing that? But we know, probably, hopefully, that that's not what Eddie Money actually sang. He actually said this. He said, I actually have, I've got two tickets to paradise. All right, now this, this one is probably my favorite. Ricardo sent this one in. Um, in the 80s, Def Leppard, uh, 80s hair band, they actually had a song called Rocket. And in the chorus of the song, it actually said this. It says this, Rocket, yeah, satellite of love. I told you, you're just going to have to live with the singing here. But that was the actual lyric that Def Leppard sang. Ricardo, just imagine how brokenhearted he was because he was singing that lyric like this. He was singing, Rocket, yeah, Jesus is the light of the world. <laughs> Ricardo, I love you, dude. I'm so thankful that you actually sent that one in. Because we all have song lyrics that we've probably sang and were wrong. And it actually brings to mind this one. This, this is a, another one um, that people get wrong. Every Pearl Jam song ever written. It just seems like you're always going to have wrong lyrics in there. But we all have some remembrance of this, right? Where you have sang lyrics to a song and it has been wrong. You come along, you figure out the real lyrics. You're like, 
whoa, I didn't know that was it. And that's what we're doing today. So go ahead and open up your Bible to Luke chapter 11. If you're new to the Bible, no problem. I'll tell you how to get there. Luke is in the New Testament. So you want to open your Bible, go towards the back, about two thirds away towards the back of your Bible. Look for the names that you can pronounce. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. Matthew is the first book of the New Testament. So Luke is the third book in the New Testament. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, we're in Luke. We're going to be in chapter 11 because we're going to encounter something just like this. We're going to encounter some people who see something and they're like, whoa, we've done this before, but we think we're getting the lyrics wrong. And, and here, here's what's key is that when it comes to this, we're, right now, we're, today we're talking about how to pray. And this is so key because if we get this wrong, it messes up everything. But the flip side is always is also right. That if we get this right, it could change everything. And it will. Your relationship with your spouse will change. Your relationship with God will change. Your relationships with your kids, your family, your coworkers, your, you know, your boss, everything will change if we get this right. If we truly figure out, man, how we should be praying, it literally will change everything. Because for someone who is a follower of Christ, praying is crucial. It's crucial. And we don't want to get it wrong. And we're going to jump into Luke chapter 11 because some people think we might be getting this wrong and they didn't want to get it wrong. They didn't want to get these lyrics Wrong. So here we go. Luke chapter 11, starting in verse one. One day, Jesus was praying in a certain place. When he finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray just as John taught his disciples to pray. Now, I think this is huge because here are these disciples, and we don't know exactly how long they have been walking with Jesus whenever this question is asked. Jesus' ministry lasted about three years. We don't know how long into it that this, um, that this question was asked, but they are the disciples are around Jesus, and this isn't just one disciple. We don't know which disciple it is, but look, he says, teach us. So th this is, they've all had conversations before, and they're just like, they're seeing Jesus pray and they're saying, all right, we're good Jewish guys. Okay. We grew up praying. We've seen teachers of the law. We, we've seen all these religious people we've seen, and we've actually prayed before. But Jesus, when we see you pray, there's something different. There's something off with how you're praying and how we're praying. And, and because we know how important prayer is, we want to get this right. So Jesus, when we see how you pray, and it's not lining up, the lyrics, so to speak, aren't lining up with how we're praying, will you teach us how to pray? And of course, Jesus says yes. And he says to him, when you pray, say Father, circle, highlight, underline. This is huge. This could change your entire prayer life, just this one word. How often when we pray, do we really take a minute and stand back and try and wrap our minds around the fact that God has invited you and invited me to call him father, to call him dad. Uh, just, just take a second and, and just try and wrap your mind around that fact alone. And, and 
The other place that Jesus taught people to pray was in Matthew chapter six. And he does the same thing. He brings in father a lot in there. And uh, you don't have to flip over the verses will be on the screen, but this is Matthew six, also where Jesus teaches people to pray. And he says, look, but when you pray, go into your room, close the door and pray to your father who is unseen. And I love the fact that Jesus does this. He goes ahead and says, look, I get it. I understand you are praying to somebody you can't see. He's like, I get that. He's still your father who's in heaven. Look, so pray to him, even though you can't see him. Then when you do that, when you have a place, when you have a time and you go in and you close the door and you have time with your father in heaven, who's unseen, I get that. Then your father, once again, who sees what has done is secret, will reward you. And some of you are like, all right, that's it. If all I have to do is to get rewarded for my prayers, and we think reward is God's just going to say yes to whatever we pray for. If all I had to do is go in my room and close the door, I'm going to do that right now. And, but hold on, that's not what the reward, the reward is not the fact that he will say yes to all of your prayers, but there is a reward when you and I, when it comes to our prayer life, when we will take time, take place, take a place, Pray to God, our heavenly father, who's unseen. When we do that in secret, there will be a reward. And, and Jesus continues and he says, look, when you pray, don't keep on blabbling like the pagans for they think they will be heard because of their many words. Because back then, all these religious leaders and pagans, they would pray and use all these kinds of fancy words and do long prayers. And, and they would do it because they thought, oh man, God is going to hear me because of all these words that I say. He's like, nah, you don't really even need to do that. You, you don't need to do that. And then, and then he says, why? He's like, look, don't be like them for your father. Remember, he's bringing this back in, knows what you need before you ask him. Now, you probably see this verse and you might ask this question. Well, okay, if God already knows what I need, why do I even need to pray? Well, why, why bother? I mean, if God, who is my heavenly father, if he already knows, why, why do I need to pray? And if you are asking that question, you are on the verge of an incredible breakthrough in your prayer life. Because we start to realize this. We start to realize that the primary purpose of prayer is not to get something, but to be with someone, right? So if we know that the purpose of prayer is to be with our heavenly father, to have intimate time with him, and it's not just to get everything answered, it's so we can kind of get on the same page. When we get our minds wrapped around this, and it's not that we don't ask for things, we're, trust me, we're, we're going to hit some verses where it say, hey, it's okay to ask, but man, when we realize that isn't the point, our point isn't to get something, but it's to be with someone, we are on the verge of an incredible breakthrough in our prayer life. And flip back over to Luke chapter, chapter 11, and he says, look, so whenever you pray, here's how you do it. You say, Father, take some time to realize who it is you're praying to. Hallowed be your name. And this is, hallowed is just like, look, glory be your name. You know, I mean, how often do we pray when we start and we acknowledge God, we discover who it is that it is we're praying to, and we just worship and honor his name. This is also a missional thing that, man, look, God, I love you so much that your name deserves to have glory throughout the ends of the earth. All right, it goes back to the Great Commission. And, and I want everyone to know how glorious your name is and how you deserve all the glory. And so whenever we pray, take some time to realize who it is we're praying to, that God, the creator, wants to have a relationship with creation. 
It just blows my mind. God, the star breather, God, that if you pictured God as a human, which he's not, but if you did, the span of the universe could fit in between his pinky and his thumb. That, that's God. That's who we get to pray to, and he deserves to be honored with his name. Take some time in your prayer life. Maybe read some of the Psalms and, and just, oh, praise the Lord because fill in the blank. The Psalms are filled with them. That, that's how we should start our prayer. And then he says, look, your kingdom come. And in the version that of the, um, of the prayer, when Jesus teaches people to pray in Matthew 6, he also adds, you know, your will be done. All right. And this is the same kind of look, God, I want your kingdom on earth, the same as it is in heaven. That, that's what I want. And sometimes for me, I can't get past this part because there, there are sometimes it's like, I, my will is not lining up with his will. And I, I need, I need to be okay with whatever his will is. It's like, God, look, I understand who you are. And you know what? I want your kingdom to come, but mm, there's some stuff in my kingdom that I don't think is lining up. And, and it, it takes a minute it may take 10 minutes. It may take the rest of my prayer time to wrestle with the fact of, God, whatever you say to me in our time together as we communicate, I want to be okay with what your will is, even if it's not what my will is. That's what I want. I want to be aligned with you. And, and, and here's what's true, is that some people think that, man, if it's my will, then it's never God's will. That is not true. And there's people on the other side that say, um, man, if it's my will, then it must be God's will. Also not true. It's a mix. Sometimes what, what my will is lines up with God's will. And there's other times where my will doesn't line up with what God's will is. And those are times I got to wrestle with. And I got to be okay that in this time that I am having with my heavenly father, that I'm okay with whatever the answer is right? Because I, I want his kingdom to come. And then he goes on and he says, look, give us each day our daily bread. And this goes back to the book of Exodus. Whenever the nation of Israel is in the desert and he provided manna for them, which was food for them to eat every single day, he literally provided exactly what they needed every single day. You, you, come on, come on. You and I, we don't pray like this very often, do we? We, we, don't, we don't get up almost every morning and we don't say, God, just Give me exactly what I need to get through today. We, we don't do that. You know, I mean, prayer is a God-given guard in your life and in my life to keep you and to keep me thinking we can have whatever we need on our own. Prayer is a pride killer because when we don't pray, it's saying, I can do this on my own. God is the giver of all good things. And he's like, in this prayer, can we take a minute just to say, God, I don't have anything if it wasn't for you. I, I don't have bread today if it wasn't for you. I don't have breath in my lungs if it isn't for you. God, today, will you give me whatever I need to make it through this day? And then he says, look, forgive us our sins for we also forgive everyone who sins against us. And we see a picture of God's grace in this prayer that we should be praying. Now, all the time, whenever we pray, it's not that we say these exact words, but we acknowledge that we were dead in our sin. And it was only because of the grace of God who sent his son Jesus to die on the cross for your sins and my sins, that we have forgiveness, that we have salvation. It's like, oh God, thank you for forgiving me. And because you are such a good father, I will also extend that same forgiveness 
to others in my life because I want to be an example of you in this world. So as I acknowledge who he is and I give thanks for everything daily and I want his will, not my will in my life, you know what? I'm going to thank him for the fact that he has forgiven me and saved me from my sins. And then he says, and lead us not into temptation. And and this isn't that God would lead us into temptation. It's just our default button, right? I mean, if I'm left on my own without the Holy Spirit, without God's direction and guidance, I am prone to going with temptation and falling into sin. It's just, it's how we are because of our sin nature. And this is just praying, God, I don't want to take a step without you leading me. I don't want to take a step without you guiding me. No decision without you in front being a light to my path. And and, and he's like, that's how I want you to pray. So it's not the, and I I don't know if you ever recognize this, but this version of the, of how Jesus teaches people to pray in Luke 11 is a little different from the version in Luke uh, in Matthew chapter six. And some of you might be like, I'm Jesus. Um, You got your prayer wrong, right? Like here in Luke, you you missed out a couple of things that's in Matthew. And I just want to let you, uh, look, it's not the word specifically. It's like not, you don't just say the Lord's prayer and boom, it's okay to start there. But as you mature in your faith, your prayer life should grow beyond just a memorized prayer and really digging into, man, what is he teaching? How is he teaching us how we should approach God? And, and it's almost as if, as he was teaching, he saw the disciples' faces, almost as if they didn't get it. And he continues on by teaching them about prayer through a parable. And he starts by saying, then, right after this, Jesus says to them, suppose you have a friend and you go to him at midnight and say, friend, lend me three loaves of bread. A friend of mine on a journey has come to me and I have no food to offer him. Now, we have to understand um, the culture 2000 years ago, hospitality was huge. So this guy has a friend come visit him in the middle of the night. He doesn't have anything to offer him. So he's left with a decision. Okay, I either am going to be a bad host or a bad neighbor. And he goes for option two because he doesn't want to be a bad host. He doesn't have bread, but he knows, oh, my neighbor has bread. So he goes over to his friend's house at midnight and is knocking on the door asking for bread. This isn't like a crazy emergency. This is bread. He just wants some biscuits. And and look how the story goes. He says, and suppose the one on the inside answers, don't bother me. The door is already locked and my children and I are in bed. I can't get up and give you anything. So, I mean, just get the picture. You go, you're knocking on the house of someone at midnight. So I would say friendship is in question here at midnight. And you're asking for some bread. The guy on the inside's like, don't bother me. I'm asleep. The kids are asleep. I can't get up and give you anything. Once again, go back 2000 years ago, houses were small. The bedroom was typically one room for the entire family. So, you know, you get down the two-year-old, you get down the five-year-old and then the seven-year-old, you get them all down. Then the wife is asleep. You get down. So all of you are laying in the same room. Everyone's asleep. And then this guy starts banging on the door, asking for bread at midnight. He's like, don't bother me. The door's locked. Everyone here is asleep. I'm not going to get up. Would you, it it took me an hour to get this two-year-old to sleep. I'm not, you know, just think if you've ever gone camping, you know, with your family. Um, we have done this one time several years ago when our, when our two girls were very, very young and it's the only time we've ever done it. You know, you, you get, you get everyone down, everyone's in a tent, everyone's kind of got their spot and lined up. No one is going for a bathroom break in the middle of the night because if anyone's up, everyone's up. So it's, it's kind of the same thing. He's like, look, 
don't bother me. The door's locked. The kids are asleep. I can't give you anything. And look what Jesus says. I tell you, even though he will not get up and give you bread because of friendship, because that's obviously in question, yet because of your shameless audacity, he will surely get up and give you as much as you need. So because this guy is so basically annoying, I would even say rude, just pounding on the door at midnight, he's, Jesus says, look, this guy, your neighbor, he's going to get up and get you what you need, not because he loves you, not because of friendship, but because you are annoying and rude. Now, oftentimes when Jesus teaches parables, it's a comparison, right? Where, okay, there's someone in the story that's me, and there's someone in the story that's God, you know? And we have to be careful here because um, if we're the person on the outside, then does that mean God is the grumpy neighbor on the inside? This parable is not a parable of comparison. It is a parable of contrast, which we will get to in a minute. So get the picture. Here's this guy. He gets a visitor. He goes to his neighbor because he doesn't have bread and he wakes him up. And the guy's like, look, forget friendship, but just because you're annoying, I will get up and give you everything you want if you will just leave me alone. So, so what is the point of this parable? I mean, obviously, right? It's pray to God so annoyingly that he will give you exactly what you want, not because he loves you, but just because you're being rude and you're being in a nuisance. All right, let's go ahead and pray. <laughs> not the point of the story, right? He's like, look, even just imagine if someone is willing to get up at midnight and give you what you need, just because you are being annoying. Keep that thought in mind as we continue. He says, so I say to you, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives. For the one who seeks finds. And to you, the, and to the one who knocks, the door will be opened. So he does this contrast. He's like, look, if you can get something from a neighbor just because you are annoying, all right, how much more will God who loves you give you exactly what you need? And he's going to hit that here in the next verse. It's not because you're annoying. It's not because you are bothering him. Bothering is a, is a nuisance thing, right? I mean, bothering is not good for relationship. I mean, all right, think about it this way. If I get home from work and Shannon gets home from work, Shannon's my wife, and, and she's just like, oh, honey, I've got my head is killing me. I've had a rough day at work. And there's some things that are just really, really, there's things that are just really on my heart. And, and I want to tell you, but I just don't want to be a bother to you. Do you know what I'm not going to say to Shannon? Good. <laughs> I don't want to hear it anyway, because that, that's not good for relationship. And that's not the point of what Jesus is saying here. He's like, look, you're not going to get what you want from God simply because you are annoying. That's not the point. He's like, look, if you can get what you want from a friend simply because you're being annoying, all right? If you can do that, then if you continuously seek, you will find. If you continuously knock, the door will be open. And he's talking about our prayer life with God. And it's not being in a, a nuisance. Remember, if we frame our prayer life the way Jesus taught us to pray at the beginning, God, my heavenly father, and I take some time to realize who he is. 
how powerful he is, that he actually wants relationship with me. I take some time to wrestle with the fact of I want his will more than I want my will. And I'm okay if he says yes, if he says no, if he says wait. And I'm so thankful for every single thing he's given me. I'm thankful for the fact I've got bread on the table. I've got a bed to sleep in. I've got a roof over my head. God, you saved my life. Man, I start praying like that and I continue to seek his face. I continue to do that. I will find him. I will have an answer because when we see this, when he says, look, whoever asks, receives, whoever seeks, finds, and to the one who knocks the door will be open. We realize that, look, God promises you. He promises me an answer. He doesn't promise us an explanation. If we are truly seeking God through prayer, the way Jesus taught us to pray, and we're truly seeking him, we want his will more than our will. We're so thankful because he's the giver of all good things. If we continue to knock, he will give us an answer. Sometimes yes, sometimes no, sometimes wait. He doesn't always give us an explanation. There are some things we won't understand on this side of heaven, but if we continue to seek him and pray the way Jesus taught us to pray, we will get an answer. The door will be open to us. And, 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 then he, and then he finishes this up with this whole contrast part, which is so powerful. He's like, look, which of you fathers, and this could be mothers too, this could be parents, which of you fathers or parents, if your son asks for a fish, we'll give him a snake instead. Or if he asks for an egg, we'll give him a scorpion. If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your father in heaven give you the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? And we have the contrast. Look, if you can get what you want from a neighbor because you are annoying, not because of friendship, how much more will God, who is in heaven, who loves you, who loves me, how much more will he give you whatever you need if you seek him, if you knock on the door? Because he says, look, you who are evil, that's you and that's me. We have a sin nature. He's like, look, if you who are evil, you know how to give good gifts to your kids, right? If your kid comes up and asks for a piece of fish, you're not going to give them a snake. If your kid comes up and asks um, uh, ask for an egg, you're not going to give them a scorpion. He's like, look, even though you are evil and you are sinful, you have a sinful nature, even though you are sinful, you know how to give good gifts to your kids, how much more will God who loves you, God who created you, God who saved you, God who provides for you, who is your heavenly father, who is in heaven, meaning his view is much different than your view. His thoughts are higher than your thoughts. His ways are higher than my ways. When he is the focal point, don't you think he will give us whatever we ask? when our prayer life is guided around how Jesus taught us to pray, he's like, look, he will give us the Holy Spirit. You realize this is he will be with you. He will be with me. He will not just give us counsel. He gives us the counselor to live in us forever. So he's like, look, you want to know how to pray? Yeah, I'll tell you. Take some time to understand or try and wrap your mind around who it is you're praying to. His name is holy. Glory be his name. You know what? I want your will more than I want my will. However long that takes. You know what? God, I'm so thankful for the 
daily bread you give me, for the breath in my lungs, for saving me. God, thank you for leading and guiding me so I don't go off and follow the temptations of the flesh. He's like, man, if you pray like that, the door will be open to you. And that's our reward. That reward that he talked about in Matthew chapter six, that's the reward that God, your heavenly father is with you. He will give you the Holy Spirit to lead and guide you throughout your life. It is the greatest reward we could ever possibly have. And the disciples saw Jesus praying like that. And they're like, that's different from how we pray. That's different from how we've seen other people pray. We don't want to get those lyrics wrong. We want to make sure we're praying the way you pray, because we want to make sure our prayer life is aligned with our heavenly father. You want to know how to pray? That's how to pray. And here's the thing is that there could be some of you out there right now watching, and you could be in a see you at home, you're with some other people, and you've never prayed to God. And I'm, I'm not even saying you've prayed for him for certain things in your life. You've never even prayed for him to come in and change your life, that forgiveness that we talked about. You've never even prayed for that. And if that's you today, and you want to have a relationship with the God who created everything, who wants a relationship with you, who sent his son Jesus to die on a cross, who lived a sinless life and take the death on a cross that you and I deserve. If you want that, that way he will lead you and guide you as it says in the prayer. I'm gonna lead you in a prayer right now and you don't have to use the same words as me, but say it from your heart. Just close your eyes and just say, Heavenly Father, God, for the first time ever, I've realized how much you love me that you have invited me to call you dad. And I haven't respected you because of the sin in my life. And it has separated me from a relationship with you. God, I thank you so much that you love me enough to pursue me by sending your son Jesus to live a sinless life and take death on a cross that I deserve to cover my sins. God, I believe in your son Jesus. I believe he took that death on a cross. I believe three days later, you raised him from the dead. And God, that same power that raised him from the dead, I pray that you would put into my life right now. Will you fill me with your Holy Spirit? Will you please forgive me of all my sins? And will you lead me every single day of my life so I can live for you? Will you continuously show me how you love me and teach me how I can love you back? In Jesus' name, amen. And if that is you and you said that prayer, I want you to know we are so excited for you because you just took the greatest step you could have ever taken in your entire life. And wherever you are right now, in whatever see you at home, you need to make sure you tell somebody that today is your day. And if you're not with anybody, click on this little um, scan, this QR code up here with your phone and fill out this form so we can connect with you because this is amazing that we don't want to just celebrate with you. We want to walk with you on this journey because 
It doesn't mean you never sin anymore. It doesn't mean you are perfect. You need to be surrounded with the body of Christ to walk through this, to walk through this life where we will have a temptation to want to drift. We want to walk with you in that relationship. And for those of you, as we go into this time of worship through song, I don't know how he's stirring to you how to pray and how your prayer life has been. But during this time, as we enter into a time of worship through song, will you just allow God to stir in your heart and in your mind, man, how have I been praying? Am I just spitting out something that is memorized every single time? And I'm not really connecting with the creator who wants to have a relationship with me. God, will you teach me how to do this? Will you teach me how to pray? Will you teach me how to have that intimate time with you? Because I don't want my prayer life to be about getting something. I want it to be about being with someone, which is you. And it doesn't mean we don't ask for things, but it means our main focus is that relationship with our heavenly father. And that is your reward. That is my reward when we take time. And here's the beautiful thing. Jesus doesn't say how long we should pray. There are certain prayers that Jesus prayed that were real quick. When he prayed for Lazarus to be raised from the dead, it was a pretty quick prayer. When Jesus went to go to the cross, he prayed all night long. So it's not about the length of the prayer. It's about the relationship with the one who loves you the most. And as we enter into this time of worship, my prayer for you and my prayer for me is that our focus of our prayer life from this day forward is not about getting stuff. It's not about getting something, but it's about being with someone, the one who loves us more than anything in this world.